Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Having survived some warning shots, we're back to look at episode three of the Paramount Plus limited series, The Offer. This episode is titled Fade In. It is directed by Adam Arkin and written by Michael Tolkien, Leslie Griff, Russell Rothberg, and Mona Mira. Back once again to help me decipher between our Barry Lapidus's from our Joe Columbo's is the I'm not a starving artist to my but I'm a starving actor. Will Chich, how are you, Will? You're good, mate. Yourself? I'm very well. I'm very well. Three three weeks. Uh, yeah, three weeks in. How um how have you been since last week? Obviously, you were, you were heading off to a festival. How was that? Good. Yeah, went to um two thousand trees for the weekend with uh, a better half, and um acted like I was twenty, and realised I am definitely forty. <laughs> amazing um uh, yeah obviously um the question i asked you last week and listeners me and will do speak out of out of outside of this podcast so i do know the answers to this but for your benefit i'm gonna ask you again uh will have you started listening to the godfather on audiobook i have i've started it yes i've downloaded it um yep tony Oh, Joe, Quite enjoying it, mate. Joe Montaigne. Joe Montaigne. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's crazy, right? Like uh, reading the book or listening to the book, mm. you realize like what such a great adaptation the film is because there's a lot of stuff is like left in wholesale and like uh, a lot of the stuff that is removed is rightfully removed. Like you'll get to, you'll get to a chapter. And I'm sure I'm sure by the by the end of this kind of run of ten episodes, you'll be like, "Oh, I totally understand why that is not in the Godfather." <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, because I've I've literally I've I think I've done maybe two or three chapters. I've basically it was um it was part of my hangover on Monday, so I put it on. I was like, I just I can chill out. So that, um yeah, so about, I think about three chapters in. So but yeah, it's good. I think quite early on as well in the book, they talk about the size of Sonny Corleone's dick, which is is a very weird part of the book. <laughs> they talk about how, how it's abnormally big. Abnormally big? Well, yeah, because there is a reference to it in the film because there's a moment where I think mm. his wife at the wedding is just like kind of, 
gesturing with her hands like and for the listener yeah. i'm kind of doing that sign of like whoa, eyes widened hands held further apart than you normally would go oh fucking hell she kind of has that that look to her so mm-hmm. i think that's a subtle reference but the book obviously it's, it's a book it, it will kind of like go into some more detail <laughs> The, uh, I look forward to his abnormally penis cropping up. Yes, and the ramifications of such a large penis um, come to play. Uh, well, it feels like a, a, a weird segue to make, but it feels like it's only right, um, seeing as we're talking about a series that is about the making of The Godfather. We pay our respects to the late, great James Kahn, who um, passed away in the last week since since we last talked, which is. Tragic news. Obviously, yeah, played Sonny Corleone. Um, do you have a favourite James Kahn performance that possibly isn't The Godfather? Or what's your, what's, what were your thoughts on James Kahn? Yeah, I mean, it is because it is, he, well, obviously he's, he was great. And it's surprising looking through his through his filmography. He's, something, he's someone who's he's propped up in things that I've forgotten. And you go, oh, no. yeah. So, like, um, what was the one that popped in my head? Oh, there you go. It's fall straight back out. Um, <laughs> Will Farrell. Elf. Elf, yeah, of course. Yeah, and you forget that he's, because he's, he's James Calm, you forget that he was an elf. And, yeah, he's, it, is a, it is a sad loss. Yeah, he's kind of, he's cropped up in, I think he's in That's My Boy as well, the Adam Sandler yeah, film. He's kind of like. <laughs> he's, the, he's always think of James. Um, you always think of James Conner as heavy, heavy films. But yeah, he's surprised. No, he has cropped up in some lighter stuff like Elf. But I mean, he's, he's done some absolute banging performances. Like Misery's amazing. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal in Misery. Considering it's just him in a bed for most of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, there's a great story I saw shared about James Kahn on the set of Misery that um, apparently, like, one day he came in, like, ridiculously hungover and the footage that they filmed that day just couldn't be used. And, like, they told him another reason, but he caught wind at the fact that that was the reason, like, why he, he like they had, they had had to kind of scrap that day's shoot and James Kahn just dipped into his own pocket and paid for that day for the shoot and was like, there's an apology. And so, yeah, so many, it's one of the things like when people pass away is we get all these great stories crop up about them, right? Like kind of people. And I think that pertains to this, there's a great story about Francis Ford Coppola would always steal his sandwich on set of The Godfather. So. Uh, being being a prankster, there's a lot of pranks played on the set of The Godfather. I know that James Kahn and um, uh, uh, Marlon Brando were big like fans of pulling a little prank here and there. But uh, one day, he waited outside of Francis Ford Coppola's like Winnebago with a sandwich ready for him to kind of take a bite of it. So Francis comes rushing out, ready to like get onto the next shot takes a bite of this sandwich and kind of his face turns red he's like oh, what the fuck is going on and um james khan had actually filled the sandwich full of jalapenos and uh it, all he said to francis was 
Did I say you could have a bite of my sandwich? And he never did it again. I was like, what a dude. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess let's, yeah, let's have a, let's have a toast to James Khan. Um, so let's salute James Khan. And that brings us on to talking about this week's wine. So, Will, what wine have you gone for this week? I have gone for a Chilean Pinot Noir. And it is a nice drop. It's literally called a nice drop. <laughs> oh. So yeah, and I think, yeah, it's a nice drop um, of Pinot Noir. That's what the wine is called. So, but yeah, it, it's actually it's all right, mate. Yeah, it's all right. So it's yeah, a nice drop. That's what you want, right? You want a nice drop. So I've, yeah, I've a nice I've, drop. I've gone for an Italian wine this week, a Massimo. Um, Cito, and it is an absolute humdinger of a wine. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a very light, like I don't know, it's light on the tongue. That's what, like, that's what I kind of need. Ooh. Like we were discussing beforehand that maybe red mm-hmm. wine in the weather we're currently having is not the best drink to be having. I don't know. It may go completely to our heads, and we may be a lot more pissed a lot more quicker than we yeah. usually are on this pod uh mm. but um yeah it's i don't know it's going down quite nice it's kind of got yeah this is this is nice it's light and um yeah yeah red wine red wine goes with patty and i'm pretty sure after the weekend i've had my liver is pretty much pie so that's nice perfect yeah. so there we go uh so mm. Let's talk about episode three of the offer, as I said, entitled Fade In. Um, so can you, yeah, where, where were we left off with the state of the film and our protagonist in this story, Al Ruddy, at the end of episode two, Will? So Al Ruddy had um, the very, the climax, the cliffhanger of episode two was Al Ruddy was being taken in a car to go and meet with our um, Italian-American friends to discuss the the issues they might have with the uh, film being made. I'm not happy about that, but the Godfather being turned <laughs> into a movie. This movie's a disgrace to the Italian-American community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we were at with... Um, yeah, so he was... Literally in the car, so yeah, or getting in the car, the gun in the belt, off we go. And this episode picks up immediately from that, right? With Al Ruddy in the car, kind of no fucking idea where he's going, and he's taken. Yeah, as we were saying at the end of the last episode, this is like the first time for the characters to kind of those two worlds to collide, and this is where we kind of get the payoff for it, and he. He meets Joe Calimbo. Hey, Joe Calypso. Different Joe Calimbo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's the North Shores 
uh, limbo champion from 1976 to 1982 until his hip popped <laughs> out of place. Uh, <laughs> oh, I fucking hate this limbo. Oh, I fucking limboed my hip out of place. Maybe that's what happened to his neck. <laughs> Too much limboing. Yeah, he just decided I'm just going to duck. <laughs> Joke <laughs> limbo, yeah. Yeah, how... Huh. How far shrunk, or maybe that'll become a regular feature on this podcast. How far shrunk is Giovanni Rabisi in this episode? <laughs> has he got any smaller? Like, as we said, by the time he's going to be, by the end of it, he's going to be, I don't know, an arsehole, some feet, and a fucking <laughs> head poking out. Full, like, society, just his head coming off his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, what do you what do you make of this scene? Because it's quite it's quite a tense one to open an episode, right? Yeah, it was. It's quite. It's quite because we. This has been building up, and we're waiting for this clash to happen. And uh, yeah, it's quite because it, like we've said before, I was not sold on Riz, um, Giovanni as because I thought, oh, but again, I am finding him entertaining. Now he's. Now I've got over the whole, like we say, the shoulders up and stuff. Uh, I do find him entertaining, and it is, I, I, I did enjoy this scene. Although it did make me laugh that the whole thing was he wants, he doesn't want, they don't want the Godfather made because it's gonna, they're gonna, they don't want the Italian American community to come across as um, as animals. They don't want the laughing mentioned because it doesn't exist, and then proceeds to like say. I'm going, basically I'm, I'm going to fuck you up if this film's made <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah we're not animals but I will will do bad stuff I, I actually pulled a clip of this scene yeah, so I don't think we've actually heard Joe Colombo on this pod so far we've only heard oh, no. our, our impressions so yeah here's here's a, a clip of their meeting do you know who I am specifically no but with all due respect I'm Joe you. Colombo I kind of run things around here. Well, Mr. Colombo. Call me Joe. Thank you, Joe. I got it. And then, yeah, obviously they're meeting. Oh, well. Obviously, yeah, he, like, Joe Colombo says to him, he's like, I ain't paid. Mickey Cohen set this guy at stones. I got one thing to say to you, boy. I ain't Mickey Cohen. Hey, Mickey Cohen, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm a, I'm a big deal. But then, like, Al Ruddy kind of, he does show, like, I don't know how much stones he has. And I, I, I guess it leads me to a question I had, because obviously, like, this show is from, like, the stories of Al Ruddy. Are we believing this? Is he kind of putting a bit of fucking seasoning on his stories to make him seem like a bit more of like a, I was going toe to toe with Joe Colombo? I I don't want to make any accusations, but I'm calling that absolute bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, because at the end of the day, he is only like at the beginning of the show, he was only working for like the you know, corporation, and then. Yeah, and then to be in a room with not apparently not the mafia, but definitely the mafia, and just going, yeah, all right, whatever, bullshit. <laughs> but like, I don't like the again. It comes down to the performance of Marsteller, like very like impassioned speech about like what he 
envisages the film of The Godfather to be. It's like it's not going to be like the book. It's going to be something different. It's going to be about family. It's going like you're going to see yourselves in it. And then what is it? He invites him to Golf and Western to read the script, which like kind read of the script puts a bit of like I don't know what a bluff to pull. And I know that like that is something that Al Ruddy actually did in real life. He said like, oh well, yeah, if you've got if you've got a problem with it, you can you can read the script. I'm not sure if the kind of yeah the i don't know the the whole thing of him saying that and the script wasn't ready was like a whole thing with like this do you know what i mean how this episode plays out but i know that he definitely yeah. did offer them to read the script um so where yeah where do we move where do we move from there do we is is this when we get to get to our boys we go to we go to the boys all the <laughs> poos on Coppola. again Again, I repeat myself, but this is, I could watch them all. It's so good because the, the opening line of their scene is, can you smell something? Which <laughs> really made me laugh. It's the fact that it's the stem to hold up. And every time we cut back, every time we see them, they've got some kind of food. There's <laughs> always a bottle of wine open. And the fact that, yeah, Copper says, can you smell something? And there's an absolute belt-in payoff line to this scene. Well, there's, there's which a, really made me chuckle there's a great like kind of because yeah it starts on a jovial note but then like we realize they're having problems with the script mm. and yeah francis kind of has these reservations what is this we discussed this this is supposed to escalate we talked about this. Michael, he finds out his father's not being guarded. Then he hears the killers are coming. Then he enlists Enzo. He makes him the muscle. He thinks he's going to be safe, but he's not. The cops are coming, and they're in on it, and it's worse. It's so important you just rush for the whole thing. We got a deadline. Ruddy told me we got to get the script in now. God, we can't let Ruddy's arbitrary deadlines impede our artistic process. Okay, granted, we're not making anything as serious and complex as Hogan's Heroes. Francis, you've done this before. Okay, I want to do this right. You know, I mean, they, they all think that I write novels, so I can't do this. Hey. Give it to me. Good? It's always better than fast. Right? You're great. That's it. Trust the process. Let's start over, shall we? What a kind of what a scene! What a like, I just like kind yeah. of love their their interplay and like the the fact that it kind of I don't know that fragility of creativity that it kind of delves mm. into and, mm. and yeah, obviously Mario Puzo at this point like he'd kind of become what he had wanted to be all along like he'd become a. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like a, a best-selling author, but still has like these these fears and is worried, like yeah, like we all do. Like we're just always going to be found out to 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 not be not be worthy of what we're doing. Like it's kind of like it's like yeah, you've done this. I've never done this before. Like this is this is this is scary shit. I don't imagine yeah. it should be. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, again, this scene, it, what this show. And maybe that's the reason other, some people are not going along with it. But it, that scene, you have that, that, it is a great bit of, and like you say, that kind of, but it does have that payoff line where it still keeps that light touch where 
Coppola does sit next to Puzo, and there's that pause, and the scene ends with Puzo saying, oh, yeah, now I can smell it. <laughs> it's, a funny, it's a funny line. Yeah. So there is always that. You, you do have these, I mean, there's a few scenes, like we've said in previous episodes, where it's a bit on the nose with the monologue, where all of a sudden you go, this, that's even Miles Teller Cinema in one of the episodes. It's, it's so on the nose. Mm-hmm. But they do manage to keep, get away with it because you have these funny little light moments as well. Well, I think I think this one as well, like uh, this episode has got, I would say, some of my favourite Bob Evans so far. And some it's got some yeah. great little monologues and kind of like discussions in it. And I think it happens. Well, yeah, because the next scene we get kind of Bob Evans and Peter Bart kind of like at battle stations trying to figure out what the fuck like to do. Because obviously, yeah, we ended with uh bob evans with the variety like headline that he's going to get the axe so he's obviously trying to avoid everyone and comes up with a plan that like he ne- he just needs a he needs a hit right he's like what have we got that's gold and again we haven't heard i don't think i've pulled a bob evans clip so uh, yeah I'm, it might be a bit clip heavy like but I just, I've, I've pulled a few Bob Evans ones, but I thought this one was pretty great from this scene. It was something real, Peter. Come on. Come on. The Godfather? It's not the safest bet by a long shot. But if half the people who bought the book see the movie, it'll make at least $20 billion. And even Bluetooth had sniff of that. All right, all right. But before I double down, I need that script too fucking sweet. And that's French for... Right fucking down. Oh, fucking yes, Matthew Good. Like, is absolutely- he is, yeah, he's the absolute MVP. He is every time he's on screen, it's he's so good. So, what, like, I'm trying to think, had you seen Matthew Good in anything but before this that kind of stuck out to you? Because I can't really- stuck out, no, no, not that I can think of. Possibly without realizing, but not. Yeah, because I, 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 I was never a Downton fan. I know he's he was in that. He's in the Good Wife. He's in the Is he in Downton. Yeah, he's Henry Talbot in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Series six episodes. He's in seven episodes mm-hmm. of it and the Christmas special. I think. Wow. Yeah. Just actually, which I should have probably done before. I'm just looking at his IMDb, and I didn't realize he was it. He was his Watchman as well. Oh, what the TV series? No, the film. Oh, he was. Um, yeah, Oz. Um, Oz. If I just made that up, I don't. Yeah. Yes. So yes. yeah, I obviously yeah yes. <laughs> I obviously have seen him and stuff without realizing. You know, and just not putting. So yeah, he has done quite a bit, like of note that I just hadn't. And Stoker, which is great. I forgot yeah. he was in that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I like this, but I think I don't know. This is a real like grandstanding performance, no. right? This is like kind of a very much push big. Ah, look at me, look at me, kind of performance like that he gives. Is uh, it? Yeah, and it's, it, there's little touches. It he's clearly there's a bit in that scene as he walks into the office where he just takes his jacket off and just throws it. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't hang it up, just throws it. 
someone else will pick it up. That kind of thing. I just and, totally yeah. disregard that Charlie Blue Dawn's on the phone could probably hear his voice and he's like, ah, tell, <laughs> tell, tell him I'm not here. Tell him I'm not. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, where, where 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 do we move? Yeah, where, well, yeah. How do you want to tackle this? Where do we move on from there, or do we want to? I don't know. Do we want to pull on different threads? Do we want to carry down the the Bob Evans storyline, or kind of just go through this well, yeah. as it happens? Sandal, because this episode is quite, especially the first like twenty thirty minutes, is quite frantic. It's almost like a caper because they're going everywhere, and there's a lot of short scenes because mm-hmm. it is quite a frantic episode for that first yeah first 30 30 minutes well yeah because kind of, it, it's is like the, a caper what is the thrust of this episode what is the kind of what, what would be like the kind of nut of it what are they trying to achieve like the characters yeah so it, the first that first half of the episode is the script mm. they ever wants to see the script so you've got um nice. Al Ruddy wants to see the script, right? Al yeah, Ruddy. Al Ruddy wants it. Yeah, and he needs other people to see it because people it is going to fall apart uh-huh. around them. So yeah, and he he Al Ruddy needs a script. Evans wants to see a script. Risby wants to see the script, and Puso and Coppler are already with the script. They have it. This I know we're jumping about, but there's. They sat by the pool. Yeah. With their feet dangling. So, Just chilling out. So that that scene by the pool, like, uh, I've got to say, like, I, lo- I absolutely love that scene where he's like, oh, I could get used to this life. And he's like, yeah. you know, in New York right now, it'd be ball freezing weather. And he's like, Francis goes into his whole thing. He's like, do you know why I like North California? It feels like Europe. And it, it very much, it like, that scene reminded me, like, because there's a line in it where he goes, after this, I'm going to come and visit you. And I kind of felt like, yeah, yeah. this is this is our friendship right now, Will. It's like, it's like almost like what I want to yeah, say yeah. to you. I feel like we are yeah. metaphorically dangling our legs in a pool whilst doing this. It's like, once this is over, I'm going to come and visit you. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't promise you the finest wines, though. <laughs> But I can promise you a nice drop of Pinot Noir. Yes, <laughs> so that'll be nice. Yeah. But yeah, it's a that scene is a is a is a nice scene because it you have a little moment again, a little moment with Puzo and Coppola. You can see their friendship because they have a they had a little bit of a, a pop and there was a little bit of tension. And then you obviously just gone, come on, let's go and sit by the pool and have a little little cheeky glass of wine. Yeah. yeah obviously- again. <laughs> Obviously, you've got Al needs the script because he wants to show it to Columbo. And he um, he enlists Betty McCart to just go get it for him, right? He's like, go get yeah. it. I don't, I don't care what kind of state it's in. I need to see that fucking script, basically. And that 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 scene we were talking about when they're kind of lounging in the pool is when Betty turns up. And, like, she even, like, kicks the boot in of, like, kind of this disheveled way of living they've been living in where... Mario Puzo is like said to the house cleaner, like, and that thing of like that tortured artist almost, isn't it? Where it's like we need yeah. to, we need to be working. We don't we don't need the cleaner coming in. Like I told her to tell like to just not come in, and she's like, oh, I had to yeah, I, I let the I had to get the house housekeeper to let me in because it smelled like a dead body in here. <laughs> Smell like a dead body, yeah. <laughs> 
And then, because there's a, even Coppola says in the, the scene just before this, when he said, when Pooja says, yeah, I have to go to the, and um, Coppola's like, you may want to rethink that as he does like a look around the room. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so, yeah, Betty comes and steals the script from them to take to Al. And that's what, yeah, this is what you're kind of talking about in the kind of like it's a mad caper because it's literally like the next scene. She's in New York. She's got the script for Al. She's read it already. They, as we've, as we've established with this show, they kind of play fast and loose with time where it's like just fucking, we need to be somewhere. Boom, we're there. It's like there's no, there's yeah. no faffing around. Uh, but before, before, yeah, I think it's, is it before she gets to, um, Oh yeah, it's before she gets to um, New York. Francoise. So we, I think we need to talk about this because obviously Francoise in this episode is getting oh, yeah. almost I don't know, not so much. Uh, yeah, she gets annoyed at Al because obviously he's been gone for two hours. Um, when when obviously oh, yeah, it, it 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 popped out. Yeah. It popped out for a croissant and a coffee, and it's like not turned up for two hours. Two hours. Oh, well, well, they had to go to to go to Italy to get those beans, have they? Fucking hell. (laughs) They go to France for that croissant, have they, love? Uh, (laughs) They'd be annoyed as well with my croissant. Two hours. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't even bring the croissant and coffee. Uh, what yeah, an absolute fucking piss take. Yeah, man, oh, imagine that. Imagine your missus said to you, well, just going to quickly pop out and grab, like, grab us a coffee and a croissant, and then two hours later turns up empty-handed. You'd be, oh, no, thank you. I, obviously, I, obviously, I go, that's fine, don't worry about it, but inside, <laughs> I live it. <laughs> but, yeah, before, before Betty goes to New York, uh, we get a scene of Francois's, uh, taking a script from Al's office because she seems to think that there's there's money in these unproduced scripts and she can maybe help out with what is going on in kind of Al's office. And later on, it will lead some trouble. I'll tell you that for sure. Mm. There is a moment when uh, Al Ruddy calls Mario and Francis and I absolutely... I I love this exchange because it kind of ties back into that first moment we get with Francis giving Mario the speech about like how it needs to be great, not fast, and like how Al Ruddy is impeding on their creativity. Well, it's Ruddy. What are you eating? Salad. Look, I need the latest draft of the script, and I need it now. Where are you guys at? It's Ruddy. He wants a script. Yeah, let him write it. Ruddy, these arbitrary deadlines are impeding our artistic process. Impeding? What the fuck does that even mean, impeding? Mario, I took a chance on you, and if you fuck this up, I will impede you off the picture. No, just grab it and bring it here. To New York. So yeah, that is when Al calls Betty to steal the script and head to New York City. Uh, <laughs> so um, well, yeah, when she 
when she yeah when she arrives she has some bad news for Alradi, doesn't she will she does um she read it on the plane although she was there within five minutes but um there's no second act <laughs> there's no second act it's a great beginning great end but no second act which is an issue so what is what is Al Ruddy's uh, solution? Obviously, he's got to show this script to Joe Colombo and his goons. Give me the three-hole punch. Stick it together. <laughs> okay, Basically, yeah. yeah. Let's That's, get some it, just pieces says, of paper to pad this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the solution. Because is it... I think it's him. Yes, he's padding up because it's implied they're not going to read it anyway. They're never going to sit and read it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. That that's when they come in to read the script, and from obviously the recollections I've read in books and stuff like that is this is what actually happened is like, and it's played. It, I think it's a really funny scene in the way it's played with like the kind of. The mobster's like, he's like, oh, I ain't got my glasses. And he's like, I can fucking read. I can fucking read. And then, like, Joe Colombo's like, gets his glasses on and then just asks him, oh, what, does, what, what does this mean? Fade in. Fade in. What does this mean? He's like, well, Al Ruddy's there, like, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a movie term for 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 when the picture starts, starts on black, then it fade. The picture fit. Oh, and you hear one of the guys like, "Oh, I like that." Like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's that's real good. There's there's movie business. I like it. I didn't I didn't know that. <laughs> that's what he said. I didn't know that. So yeah, but yeah, I I like this scene. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it's a funny scene. So there is a like I think. Know, possibly one of my favourite scenes in this episode. I'm not sure you feel about it. Is and I kind of like the interplay between them as well. Is Evans and Peter Bart? What do you kind of what? Yeah, what are your thoughts on their kind of relationship? And do you know the scene I'm talking about where they're kind of talking about religion and like why they oh yeah to making movies? What do you what do you think of that scene? Yeah, I was yeah in the. T- it's one of those taking out context. It's one of these monologues where it it does go a bit on the nose, but it fits in with. So he 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 talks about religion and he talks about his family being religious, but he 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 skipped church one Saturday to go to the cinema, and he watched his first film, which uh, was it Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. His first film in the film was cinema was his first film in the cinema was Robin Hood, and he said he he describes it as being magical and how the cinema came his became his church and it is overall and it's a bit on those but i like it it's kind of it but how i believe that bob evans would say something so over the top and because then he um doesn't he he's compares he's the high priest of cinema <laughs> and because they go, it's, they're going to go and see the dailies, aren't they? And they yeah. it's, um, he says, oh, "We don't, do we really need to see the dailies?" And that's what spurs on the. And then they go to the yes, and that's why we should go to the temple. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, I love it. I love, yeah, I, love it. I, I was on board with it. So I haven't started reading it, but like I think maybe like 
pissed last Thursday when we were recording, or maybe another day. I might have been. I don't. Know. I've been drinking a lot this week. All right, guys, don't 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 hold that against me. Uh, um, yeah, I ordered uh, the kid stays in the picture, the Robert Evans autobiography, and I'm like, I cannot wait to kind of get into it. Like, cause it's a real. A real chunky boy as well. Like I, I can imagine the stories that guy has got to tell. I may, for the purpose of this podcast, like just read the Godfather section for now, and then kind of like double, yeah, yeah, double back to the beginning, just so I can kind of corroborate any kind of uh, <laughs> truths or mistruths this show may be telling. Yeah, because I can't imagine he's a kind of guy would hold back. Yeah, I think he's gonna get it all out there. Yeah, and this, yeah, but this, this, this monologue, this speech about the, um, him being the high priest of cinema and going to travel, possibly another. If another character gone into that, you'd go, uh, but I absolutely believe it was the kind of thing he'd say. And that is very much what this show is, right? And it's sometimes it's like. Oh, we've got this good punchline. Let's write this kind of <laughs> overall scene around it. It's like that. It's like that scene we got last week, right, between uh, Betty and Francoise, where like Betty just has that reply where she's like, oh, "I am an ally, just not yours." Like, and it's kind of yeah. like it, it, it somewhat makes that scene worth it. Like, to some yeah, degree. yeah, that's kind of like pants as that scene is. Uh, so. Speaking of Betty, uh, we get a scene of Betty McCart and Charlie Bluthorn uh, out for out for drinks as a kind of subterfuge, like because he's in the office when Joe Colombo and his goons turn up. What do you make of the interplay between them? Because obviously, like, yeah, so we've established in this, like Betty McCart is almost, you know, is she the closest to like an audience surrogate? It kind of feels like, Peter Bart sometimes picks up that slack as well, like with some of the lines he has. Yeah. Because we already had the... So, um, Betty's spoken to... Uh, but on, on the on the phone, and he made some reference. He, he, he calls her honey or something along those lines. So there's already a little bit of... She says to him, about, and you're an important man. So there's a, that thing. But in order to, um, as a... To get him to get him out of the way when the goons turn up, he, she does agree to go for drinks with him or a, a salad when they have that, <laughs> that massive bloody Mary with everything hanging out of it. But yeah, she's like I say, she's are into a lot of things. In she's the outside as well as what he is, but she's she's are into the story. We following her as much as as much as ready because she's as important there's quite a few times where it's quite clear that she knows more about it how this is should play out than anyone else does well there's a line yeah and i quite there's a line in this as well i can't remember exactly what it is but like andrea eastman says to her at one point like do you have a take on everything like, because it's like something's mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's this, that, and the other. And she's like, oh, do you have a take? It's, when it, it's the Janice Joplin line. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah she said, um, the, 
this episode, just what I remember, is quite heavy on, you know, we said before about um, cameos. Mm -hmm. This is quite heavy on people mentioning names to let you know the time period. Because you go, oh, no, Janis Joplin has died. (laughs) And you go, all right. (laughs) And there's a a bit where um, Evans goes, get me Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just because he like throws me and um uh, neil simon is mentioned in passing oh, just that, so we know that or, or, yeah. or, or when al ruddy eventually meets joe Columba at the coco the, the copacabana club he's like oh look look let's share what you doing with that yeah, like, weeby little guy and like al ruddy's like oh, he's that, making money yeah there's that and it, i like i said before i quite like it but it is clunky like that <laughs> that, that bit with the share thing is like just just see we know our like they are basically saying for the time period we know our references yeah, yeah. Be less, <laughs> less less subtle about it and it's like this must be a happening place if shares there do you know I mean shares all yeah. the rage like <laughs> yeah or like someone's gone someone They've gone, oh, who can we mention just so everyone knows? Cher. Oh, and she was with that fella. That kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I don't mind. But it is, it, it, there's a few times there's some name drops, you know, and you go, oh. So back to the um, Joe Colombo and his goons in the office. What is the kind of, um, I don't know, um, the, the decision made about the script obviously they decide not to read it but what are the kind of caveats well yeah what 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 do you think again is there's a lot of little like monologues in this he kind of has that monologue all about oh, the mafia don't exist like what do you what do you think of this kind of scene yeah because he because his issue is of the issue is that they don't want the mafia, it does. They're saying the mafia doesn't exist, and they don't want the Salamanders portrayed as the mafia. So the decision is made that he'll make his film as long as the mafia or the word mafia is not mentioned. Because mm-hmm. Ruddy, again, Ruddy stands his ground, and there's a bit of a mutual respect because that's the payoff line. Is I like this guy, so yeah. So that's the decision is made. The film they will make the film, but do not say mafia. Oh yeah, because it's kind of closing line to him as well. Like, I got one more question for you. Oh yeah, is that Johnny Fontaine is that Sinatra? And uh, Al Ruddy says to him, "If you want him to be," and he's like, "Yeah, I like this guy. Yeah, I like I like, I like, I like this, this guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, this guy." <laughs> and it's also that thing, like, what is the what do you think kind of Joe Colombo at this point, like his views are on Frank Sinatra? Like, obviously we've got, was it the last episode? He's like, this fucking guy. Like when he answers the, like when he's like, after, yeah. after he puts the phone down, like for speaking to Sinatra. Fuck this guy. Oh, yeah. Fuck <laughs> this guy. Yeah. So, like, Sinatra has done quite, like he, he doesn't appear and it's just only by name, but <laughs> He's done a bit dirty by this so far because basically, he's, I think everyone thinks he's a dick. Oh yeah, I think. And I think time yeah, has proven that he is. A, he was a. He was a dick. Well, yeah, <laughs> he was a dick. But yeah, he's like, yeah, nobody's nobody's a fan, and he's apt. Oh, they don't mess with him. He's, he is a dick because it. 
we, I, well, I've, I'm, I'm watching it with Maurice, so I haven't gone ahead. But um, every time we've seen Sinatra, he is a dick, which is fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Jumping back to the scene of Betty McCart and Charlie Blue Dawn, obviously, I mean, we get, we get, I think we get a further insight into like Betty and her kind of bullshiness and the way that like she just openly asks charlie blue dawn like is evans getting fired and like again like well i don't know we, we, we yeah 10 weeks we might end up sounding like broken records but do you know temple and i think like her and burn gorman as well like it's a I, I like when shows do this when they kind of they have like their cast of characters and then eat a different week it will be like oh what would it be like for this character and this character to kind of spend some time together do you know what I mean? Like they do it a lot in sitcoms and mm. stuff like that. But like kind of everyone has their moments together. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think it's a good like power play scene as well. And I think each week we're seeing she's I don't know how strong she is as a character. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. She is a she is a because it is quite a a male orientated story and the show because she is our, but she she is the strongest character in it. 
in a sense, because she knows her shit and she does stand her ground. Yeah. Like, she, she, she doesn't fuck around. And she basically says, to, like, she says the thing that Charlie wants to hear as well, because he says, like, oh, what, a, what about the Godfather? What, what do you think about the Godfather? And she's like, oh, yeah. oh, now you want my kind of, now you want a woman's opinion on something. And she knows yeah. exactly the line to feed him. She's like, I think mm. it's great, like, the, the script's gold. And like it's gonna make you loads of money. Like as this, I think like this episode, yeah, yeah. like the reason, yeah, Evans has kind of gone all battle stations, kind of like, ah, what's this script doing? What's that script doing? Like, cause he's like, if Charlie cares about anything, it is like the bottom line. It's about money. So if we can say say to him, like, Love story is coming out of Christmas, it's gonna make you a ton, Charlie. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and that kind of yeah. moment where he's like where you see, like the in that clip I played earlier, the cog ticking his head. Like, oh, if half the people who read the book see this movie, oh, make twenty million dollars! Like, <laughs> kind of like razzle dazzle. Show him the money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why my Bob Evans is Liza Minnelli, but let's move past I, that. I love it. <laughs> um. So France. Yeah, because we. No, no, I was going to say because do we. Yeah, sorry, you have to say, because this is quite an Evans-heavy episode with short bursts of full-blown Evans, because Evans, do we not have Evans again straight after that? Um, well, no, no, because we were talking about the scene with um, Betty and Blue Dawn in the office uh, it, it, uh, uh, having drinks, and then, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the next scene we get is Francis storming into the Gulf and Western offices, telling Al Ruddy, like, kind of really incensed about the, the fact that his script was stolen. And he's like, Who's read this? Like, like have you, like, yeah, Charlie read this, Evans read this. But he's like, quickly won over with flattery, right? When he's like, The script's great. Like, like, yeah, Al Ruddy, like, The script's great. And I, I love, Again, it feels like I, I love the little reference as well with, and I guess to to, to Francis's pedantry yeah. as well when he's like asked about the cannolis and like where they're from, Noli. oh yeah, where the cannoli from, and he's like, oh they're from this place, and he's kind of, oh no, that's a good place, okay. yeah, cannoli, <laughs> and um, and yeah, he's won over by the yeah the flattery of like the script being good, and um, yeah, I like that he kind of when, when they've got to go to. To check out a, a a location that could potentially be for the film, and uh, he just takes the box of cannolis with him again. <laughs> Leave the gun, take the cannolis. He's, he's, he, he, knows, he knows. He knows. Um. So yeah, what what do you think of this scene when they get to Staten Island to visit? I, for my money, looks like the house from The Godfather. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Again, not subtle and on the nose, but it's, it's another in for people. Again, like I said before, if you're not a massive god, you if you've seen The Godfather, you know the house. Do you mean it's it's not this show? I, maybe again, this is what the problem is with people taking the gay it. This show is not for experts on The Godfather. But if you know the golfer, you know the house. And I think that's a quite nice, it's a nice scene for that kind of thing again, where people with a passing knowledge of it will go, oh, yeah, it's the house. And oh, they're going to. So 
yeah, I quite liked it. And there's him when he's walking around and Ruddy says, oh, he's not taking any pictures. And um, Juno Temple Betty says, no, he's seeing it. He's shooting it. And you're like, oh, yeah, I like it. I like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I really like that. Like they're kind of, I don't know, seeing like the artist process and like, hmm. Dan Fowler again, like he he gets some great stuff to do in this. Like when he's kind of, I don't know, giving this like saying about like what he, what he envisions and kind of asking the questions. Like, oh yeah, could we could we shoot on the lawn? Could we do this? And like he kind of says like, yeah, there's the there's the celebration, there's the vibrance of the wedding, and then there's the darkness that's happened behind darkness. those walls in the house, and. I love this moment as the the scene like kind of comes to a close, and um, Al Ruddy asks him if the word mafia appears in the script at all. Oh yeah! Before I forget, how many times does the word mafia appear in the script? Ooh, I think just once. Uh, yeah. The producer Waltz, he says it to Tom Hayden, your conciliary. He says, now you listen to me, you smooth-talking son of a bitch. I'm going to lay it on the line for you and your boss, whoever he is. Johnny Fontaine never makes it into this movie. I don't care how many day go guinea wop mafia goombas come out of the woodwork. It's a good line. Okay, cut it. Just the word. Trust me, it's important. Done. Ooh, there's a nice old-school Italian restaurant around here called uh, Luigi's. You want to come? I'd love to, but I got to meet a friend. <laughs> I love I love I love that kind of little little kind of caveat at the end where it's just like oh yeah that, that lovely Italian restaurant like it's kind of I, I I don't know it kind of speaks to at least this image I have of Francis Ford Coppola like what's yeah what's your kind of like what is the kind of image you have of of, of Francis Ford Coppola as a person like not the kind of portrayal he is in this show like or is it tainted by this show now? Well, I suppose that yeah I was gonna say. I, because I've been watching for uh, this is my image of him now. Of yeah, I think not tainted by it, but I I like this idea of Francis Ford Coppola, and yeah, I I think this is my image of him now. And I like yeah, I think know, it's a great yeah. image. Like it's not put, it's not portraying yeah. him in a negative light in any sense. Like, no, no, at all. I I I think some I don't know. It just, I think it shows the passion of the guy, right? When he's coming in, like, mm. pissed off about stuff, it's like, because he fucking cares. Like, he's like, I want to, if we're going to do this, we're going to fucking do it right. Come give yeah, it to like, me. Sorry. But yeah, and also, like, if this was a different show, you'd have the Puzo Coffler thing could be as dry as anything. Because we would have these serious more serious because the serious monologues are there but you would have had these chats about art versus commerce and that but which they do do but it's done with such lightness and like you say there's no no one's everyone's likable who should be likable is likable in it and you do want to i'm finding myself i do want to spend time with coppola and puzo like you said although at first, I was a bit like, "Oh, are they gonna? Is Puzo just gonna be this oaf?" Yeah. But he's not, and that, yeah, and I, yeah, my my view cover is this now. Yeah, cannoli in one hand, eyeing up the shot in the next. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it is like that little touch of him saying about the Italian restaurant. I think it is that thing like. It all just comes back to like simple 
matters at the end of the day it is this thing of like oh yeah no it's a nice like family place and it's kind of like i don't know yeah and yeah for him <laughs> there's a scene later as well that, that that we'll get to that i just i don't know i love how kind of incensed he is a lot not incensed that's probably too harsh of a term but like kind of just like lightly pissed off he is most of the time as well and like it kind of feels like he was kind of i don't know taken for a bit of a ride like i know there's 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 it might i don't know it might it might crop up in a later episode i'm i'm not entirely sure but there's like he told a story on the godfather um uh commentary about when he was like shooting the film there was like chatter from the crew that he was just like not any good they were gonna fire him and stuff like that like there was a time he was in the toilet and like there were people like slagging him off and he like stood on the toilet so nobody could see that like there were shoes under the door he was just like so fucking like and imagine working under those conditions do you know what i mean like uh, you're supposed to be the captain of the ship and your whole crew is going the fuck does this guy know about making a movie fuck this guy fuck this guy <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um so this is when we get to Al, Colum- Al and Colombo going to the Copacabana. As we said, they see Cher, but they also see um, Biagi, the the the, yeah. the the senator. Um, so yeah, what is what is the kind of outcome of their conversation here, Will? So yeah, is they've connected, bonded, and the outcome is basically that um, Joe Colombo is saying that. You know, I'm the guy. Uh, you, if you're a friend of mine, if you, if we're friends, we're friends. Your friends are my friends. Your enemies are my enemies. They're gonna get this done. So, like, Ruddy is now Joe Colombo's friend of sorts. He's in his pocket, right? He's kind of. He's in his pocket. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so he's in his pocket, and Joe Colombo can get shit done. That's he's the guy. So yeah, and then Evans finally answers the call. To Charlie Blue Dawn, and <laughs> I love it. He's just like, ah, sorry, baby, I missed your calls. Like, like, <laughs> so am I getting fired? Like, and then what is it? Was it Charlie Blue Dawn said yeah. to him? Yeah, is it? No, he, well, he he, te- he set, tells him he's not getting fired, but yeah, because he is the studio, and yeah, he's not getting fired. But again, it's Matthew Good being just so the bravado of him. The the yeah, he's been too busy to answer the phone, but really in the back of his mind, he's shitting himself because he thinks he's going to get fired. Well, yeah, because he kind of like punches the air when he finds out he's not being fired doesn't he yeah he's like all the time i'm yeah. kind of in in charge of paramount like you're you're you, you're gonna be there you're gonna be the head of it and but obviously mm. you said paramount is in trouble so we need to fucking like buck up our ideas and like then he comes out with spills like we got a love story coming at christmas and then it's gonna <laughs> be fo- it's, it's gonna, behind it on the runway we got the godfather it's the razzle dazzle, baby. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you that money. 
Um, yeah. So the pro, he makes Evans makes a promise, doesn't he? That he's gonna, he's gonna deliver. And then we get a scene with our with our favorite guy. What did you think this week of seeing Michael uh, Epinito as Al Pacino? Is is he grown on you? Is he have you grown a, a further disdain for him? I'm still not convinced. I don't know what it is. Again, maybe like I said, I, I I don't know what it is. I just find like everything everything in this pro the whole show, all the performances are big and. But this his Pacino is almost so mannered and so head to the side. It it. You need to see maybe we once if we get further in when they're making the golf when it, he's we've only ever seen him sit at a table. Mm. It's the second time. It's the second time we've seen him sat at a table with his the head to the side, the Princess Diana look doing the voice, yeah, and yeah. it's just. Well, I, I, I just I re- don't. I really like the scene as well because again, it shows you that process of like those things we don't get to see as like uh, movie fans, like that those discussions about the motivations mm. of characters and like him saying like, well, I, I think there's something to do with the the, the law, the the allure of power. He's he's trying he's trying to be with his family, but he wants to be a, a, away from it and then like uh, is it andrew eastman's like what about case like why even case he's not italian like yeah i think i think the problem is with it is this whole thing about they want pacino because he's done his stage work and he's magnetic and i don't get it from this do you know what I, mean? I don't get when they're talking to him, I feel like it's a bit like, what, what is it you're seeing in him? Because I think we should be seeing it as well, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm just not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I, just not buying that this is... I get that the, he's doing the stare and stuff to the side. He's supposed to be mysterious. But I just think, what the fuck is it? What, what are you guys seeing in him? Because I'm definitely not. He's Yeah. I just, yeah, I'm just not buying it. I think that the Pacino should be, we should be going, oh, fuck, I can see why they want him because, oh, my God, he's screen presence. But I'm not getting that. Yeah, it's that thing. I don't know. Like, I think I said in the last episode to, like, maybe look at, like, an interview. Of, I don't think there mm-hmm. are. So 1973 is kind of, like, the earliest interview I can find here. Um Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe they're trying to do the portrayal of Pacino as this mysterious, starving artist, and we're supposed to buy into like the that mysteriousness of him. But it doesn't come across like that to me. It just comes across a bit like, all right, yeah, I don't understand what you want. Yeah. Well, should we should we maybe have a listen to Pacino? Rob nineteen seventy three, see if he kind of has this. Yeah, yeah let's see. If he talks like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, let's see. Let's see how he let, let, yeah, let's see how he does. Oh, um his presence. 
And I think everyone would like to know how in the beginning he happened to decide to play King Richard III when he could be off in Italy or in Hollywood or one of those lovely sunny places <laughs> playing something by a swimming pool. <coughs> well, so how'd you happen to do it? I'm allergic to the sun. I, <laughs> well, I, I, um, I've always wanted to do Shakespeare. And I thought it was, it was optional whether I did Richard or Hamlet or oh, shit. Hugo and Othello. And uh, talking to David, we discussed it. I think we fucking cracked it. Eh? I think <laughs> like that's I think I think it's the thing. I think that is like the thing. Like is everyone like that I don't know, not to be this guy, but like everyone's like impression of Al Pacino is hoo-ha Pacino. Or like, yeah. Like, when he wasn't like, if, so, I don't know, when he didn't have so many insecurities. You imagine at this time, and obviously, like, yeah, he, he might have been big, a big deal on stage, but, like, probably, and very much was a kind of, like, I don't know, a guy about all about the craft. Do you know what I mean? He hadn't made Jack and mm. Jill yet. Or do you know what I mean? He hadn't made these paycheck movies, so he's kind of like, I, 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 I don't know if, I, if, if this is the right move for me. Like, do you know I mean? like he kind of probably was. Like, yeah, it's slight. Like the voice is slightly off, but I think the demeanor and the kind of like mumbly, like in this clip, yeah, kind I of mean, his hand around <clears throat> his mouth, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, probably. I, I did say this before that maybe because you're clouded by the Pacino, that like say that the whole ha and the big Pacino performance, like he is now. You are clever, but I've been proved. Yeah, that's pretty Pacino. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's Pacino from nineteen seventy. So yeah, obviously this would have been a couple of years before. So maybe even more mm. kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, like insular than he is in that clip, and that's like pretty insular. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I that's what I mean. Like maybe I don't know. Maybe you'll grow. Maybe you'll grow on us. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they'll hmm. be clever and like not. Is it sort of, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it'll be more about the production than it will about the actors. Do you, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, we're we're yet to see where this goes. Like with the full shooting of the film and stuff like that. With a yeah, and I get the feeling from this episode again, especially. Like we said, this is almost well. It is. It's, it is a that first bit is a caper, and it is all over the shop. And because well, I know that there is a turning point in the actual making of the Godfather, where there was a point they were going to fire Francis Ford Coppola like after the first week. So what he did was he insisted that what they do is on the Friday, because he knew. If they were going to fire him, they would fire him on the on the weekend, because then they could just have someone. They wouldn't lose a day shooting or anything like that. They could just like prep it on the weekend, on the Monday, back in with a new guy. He made them shoot the um, the McCluskey and Salozzo murder on the Friday, just so on the dailies they could finally prove once and for all, like I can direct a scene. 
Al Pacino is 100% the right guy for this film. So, like, I imagine in a later episode, we're going to get to see that scene played out, which is kind of like an absolute kind of barnstormer of a scene. So I'll be interested to see if we get, get to see that. Louise, I'd, I'd be surprised how this show goes if we would we don't have that then. Because I don't, I'm not as a person making up as you. So, but I would think stuff like that is what this show wants to do. Yeah, because that's... we rocked it. We 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 rocked through that stuff in that first episode. They they wanted to get to. Well, that's that's stuff we that want to know. That is high tension as well. That is kind of. Mm. A, t- a tense moment of of making a film isn't it we're going to fire the director and a director kind of coming up with a plan of how can i show these people that i'm the right person for the job it's like that's the kind of meat and potatoes of this that we that as an audience you those are the stories you read in the books or hear on do you know what i mean podcasts and stuff like that where it's like oh, that's what i want to yeah that like if they're going to yeah, yeah. depict anything i want them to pick that yeah and i think that I mean, that is what this show is doing. I mean, not I'm not talking about like what this could have been or what, but it's it's not a massive comment on anything. It is just giving us this, or well, me the stuff I want to see. Yeah, it's, it's... I don't, I I don't want to see the 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 big long, what episode of just these chats about artists. I. I like the caper aspect of this episode and we're going to have those moments probably played a bit lighter and again, going back to it's a bit of fun, isn't it? It's it's fun show. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's almost like a shut up and play the hits approach. Do you know what I mean? It's like, hmm. let's get to the boom, bam moments of it. Let's kind of, let's maybe, uh, I don't know, invent some stuff to make it a bit more spicy. Like, it's it's based upon... Like nobody is saying that this is a one hundred percent factual retelling of what happened. It's kind of they've added a bit of, you know what I mean, TV spice right. to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why what why the tone is as the the tone is that way. It, they they're fully aware that this is not gospel making of the Godfather. So, yeah, that's. I think that's where the tone comes from. It's just they're not playing with the facts, but it, it, they're molded into a show that does rock it along. And it's that's one thing. It's a it's a pacey show. There's no fat on it. Yeah, like it does. It fires a lot. <laughs> These hour episodes. There's not a moment where you're going. You know, it's only been on twenty minutes. Do you know what I mean it, it, it's? Boom, it boom, powers boom. along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, have this, have Especially that. this episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. this episode is like bursts of short, sharp scenes, a little monologue, but then bang, you're into the next thing. It, it's not a show that messes about. Well, it just feels like they've got an end end place to get to, like with the series and like this episode, and it's like, let's kind of rattle through that and kind of set up. It feels like it's... What, what if I... Episode three is still setting up pieces of the kind of the, the chess pieces on the board. Do you know what I mean? We're yet to see some things come into play and characters to come into play and stuff like that. And oh, there's, yeah. there's a juicy tease for one for next week's episode, but we'll get to that in a short while. Um, so Al goes home to Francois 
who <laughs> Francois. Maybe we should always say it like Matt Berry. Ah, Francois. Um, she's cooked him a slap up meal and it feels like a ploy because she wants to proposition him about the fact that she's been reading his scripts and has told uh, Sue Mengers about um, the script she's reading. And yeah, basically says, I can be your producing partner. Um, how do you feel? Obviously, you were slightly lukewarm on the character of Francoise last week, Will. How are you feeling about the, the character in this episode? Um, I'm still a little bit... I don't... I've, I don't want to speak. I don't. I'm not gelling with the character. I, I think it's the only. She doesn't. How do I put it? She, she doesn't have much fun. Mm-hmm. She seems to be where every other character has their. She's like the driest character in the sense that everyone's having their moment of like, funny lines. She hasn't had anything really. She, we had that monologue that which, that scene with Juno Temple which was real clunky. She I, I don't think she's getting a moment where so far where there's an end to the character. I think she's a bit wishy washy. Well, and she I think she should be more I think we're expected that she, she should be a, another powerful, strong but it's, it's not really coming across that way for me. I, I find her a bit bland. Well, she she just seems to be like a nag, like her character's written yeah. like a nag to Owl all the time, and like almost like a an unnecessary kind of I don't know, like antagonist or roadblock. Or, do you know what I mean? Just just there to create kind of a conflict within the show. That it's like, do, did that really? Like, do you know what I mean? We've already got the mo- I don't know. Is it, I I can kind of see it where they're like, oh, we need to make it a bit personal. Like, is not just he's got the mob and he's got paramount yeah, I think down his neck. He's got he's got his his like. I think got his wife. That's his it, wife. and it's yeah. It's supposed to be the show the his personal struggles as well as his, but it doesn't really work for me either. because those those unfortunately it's those the personal scenes. The ones that fall flat mm-hmm. because you're kind of like, oh, can we just have Bob Evans back on? Yeah. Can we can we get back to Pooza? I, I, you don't really need that subplot of that. He's got enough shit going on, and it's the shit we want to see. Yeah. Without the well, I, troubles, oh, and, I, and I've got troubles at home. Oh well. I did a bit of research into um, Francois uh, Wisenberg, um, and. I'm not sure if you know this fact, but she was a part of the Rajneesh movement. I'm not sure if you've ever watched the documentary series uh, Wild Wild Country uh, on Netflix. I haven't watched it, but I know of it and I know the gist of it. Um, she was and a she... part of that movement, that kind of huh? out in oh. Oregon. And uh, was basically like, yeah, like the... <laughs> After, there was a woman called Sheila who was like the kind of the main guy's like main woman. She kind of took on her role afterwards, and so like was like deep oh. into it, like changed her name. Like so, yeah, her name was well. It's listed here on um, Wikipedia as Barbara 
Hashia. So, yeah, so her name at the time of her death was Hashia France, Francoise Ruddy. Um, spoiler that she married Albert Ruddy. Uh, well, I'm not sure. Are they married? Are they married in this show? I don't, I don't actually know. <laughs> yeah, no, because it, again, that this, this relationship, Ruddy and Francois, Francois their, their relationship, okay, it almost feels like they've shoehorned it in any way because it literally came out, it just happened. Mm-hmm. Every time that we have these two together, it's like, well, I was talking. They, they feel like they, they've well, only been together a week in my head, but it's years. And they're like, yeah. yeah so, so they've been together at this point, they're thinking, like five, six years? Well, it's got to be, yeah. Yeah. And it, it doesn't feel like, like, I don't know, on screen, obviously, it feels like it's, yeah, it's only been a couple of weeks. Like, it, huh. and the way they're acting together doesn't feel like, I don't know. It feels like they're very much still in the honeymoon period, but things are, are, are rocky already. And it kind of feels like, I don't know, almost like, why are you both bothering? But obviously it's that thing of like, I don't know. Then Yeah, then neither of them are acting like they've been together for like five years. It kind of, I it think is, it yeah. is, is, a, is a kind of, I don't know, a bum note and maybe a, a fault on the writing and just trying to, obviously, that's what I mean. The character does exist. She's not, Albert Ruddy did have a wife called Francoise. Yeah, yeah. And all of that is true, but uh, I don't know. In just a kind of writing standpoint and like what the show is about, it's like, is that aspect necessary? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, no, because it, I don't know. Like, may, maybe there will, there's a reason, we'll, there's more to it in later episodes, but. As it stands, it just seems like a subplot that we don't really need or oh, the con- I particularly the con- are. The conflict that she creates does make for a great scene that is coming up and it gives us a great kind of uh, yeah. Bob Evans moment, which we'll get to in a moment. <laughs> it is a great moment, yeah. Well, uh, actually, yeah, because Al Ruddy agrees to like let her help him produce which kind of as an audience member you're there going like no this could no. only end badly <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't even like really question he just goes yeah okay he literally goes okay no okay no don't do it bad move and um we kind of cut to i guess it's like the next day and uh Evans has come to Ruddy's office, like asking for the script for The Godfather. And Francoise pokes her head out with a suggestion, which is. Yes. Doesn't go down well. Well, well yeah, her, suggest- her suggestion is she can solve the issue with The Godfather, get Sinatra to play the Don, which is met with. Pretty much silence until uh, a little ch- Evans says walk and talk. Well, yeah. So they go off for a walk and talk. I do like Evans is kind of thing is like his, I don't know, like sarcastic tone where it's like, 
oh, uh, maybe I should fire Al and like hire you instead. Like you got these like great yeah. ideas, but obviously as an audience, you're like, fucking hell, he's not happy with this shit. Um, you know, yeah. So they're walk and talk. I've got a clip of that right here. Sent over a copy of the New York shooting plan. I got to deal with the film office that's really going to help us out. Yeah, I got it, and it looks great, but I can't green light until I got a budget. And uh, what do you call them? Uh, made a paper roughly 120 pages long. A script. Ah, oh, you've heard of them. How the fucking Look, movie. look, I'm going to get it to you, all right? I promise. I'm not done, buddy. I'm not done. Frank Sinatra for the dawn? Don't ever, fucking ever. Let your girl pitch a stupid idea like that to me again, or I swear to God, I will find me a producer who knows not to shit where he sleeps. Now you can fuck off. I love it. I love, I just like, give me, give me that map. Like, give, like, if they learn anything from this, like, I know, like, the critical reception, and I'm not sure what the numbers are like on this. But if they learn anything from this, it's give us the Matthew Good Bob Evans series. Give us the kid stays in the hundred percent. I will fucking hundred percent. I will watch that till like the I watch that. The, Sign me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. I want absolutely. I would have two series that would be like joined to this. I'd have the the. The Mario, the Mario, <laughs> the Mario Bros, which would be Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola, and I'd have the kid stays in the picture because, like, every time he's on screen, I'd have, yeah, I'd happily have the like a fictional Puzo and Coppola on the road, just a road road trip with them. Or just, oh, I'd love it. Or just three seasons with like that would be. The making of the like those two kind of hashing out how they made the Godfather right in the Godfather two, and then like a belated third series, or just like age them up like a bit of makeup, and then it's the Godfather part three, and then it's like do you know what I mean yeah. like them two just are both like, oh fucking the eighties weren't good to <laughs> us, boy. Like <laughs> coming back, be like we need we need to cash that check, we need to cash that Godfather check for part three. Um, yeah. So Francis comes into the office with the final script, well, well, with the finished script, and um, it's quickly whisked off to a screening room because they're showing Bob Evans the footage they've recorded of a one Al Pacino. And this is Bob Evans's reaction. Cut it! Read my lips. That shrimp never gets the part. It's just started. He's a beautiful actor. Hey, director, take a visual cue. Doesn't get this part. Give me some movie star choices. Redford, O'Neill, Jimmy Kahn. Anybody here besides me realizes picture needs to be a hit. Oh, 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 before I forget. Ruddy, maybe you could explain to me how Al Pacino has pages, and I fucking don't! This is what I meant by Peter Bart being like a kind of almost like an audience surrogate as well, because his kind of closing line before he walks out the door is, huh, Jimmy Khan might not be a bad idea. Because obviously it's that thing for, yeah. for us who know, it's like, oh, James Khan is in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, like, like I've said before, the passing knowledge thing of The Godfather, you know James Khan's in it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a joke for everyone, yeah. a line for everyone. It's not so... 
in depth that's going to go over oh, yeah, most people's even, heads. It's not about like the key. Group. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not like about. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or like a, a niche thing. Yeah. Even if it's like, I don't know, like for certain people, when there's mention of someone like a Gordon Willis, who's like the cinematographer on The Godfather, it's like, oh, Gordon Willis. Like, there's like nerds like me, yeah, yeah. like nerds like us who get excited about that. But like, yeah, that's a joke that's for the, kind an, of the it's, masses. It's an in for everyone. And I think like, it is repetitive, but I think that's why this show maybe is not getting the critical. Because it is really broad, and it, it it's not a an in depth look at the making of the Godfather, and that that James Kahn line is, just illustrates that that it's the it's the meme in it, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme of the hey, yeah, to me because oh I know I get that because everyone can get on board with it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the vibe of the show. So as this episode starts to wind down, um. We get again the tension between Francois and Al Ruddy seems to be building. Like he's, he he goes home and reads the script, and it's kind of like, I don't know. She she almost like feels like she's getting like a step above her station in a way because like she says to him, "Oh, next time, like make sure you bring home a, like a copy for me, basically to read," which is a bit like slow your roll, slow your roll. Like I know you want to help, but like. Man's got to work. Like, you know, this, we've, is, this is his baby. We've, we've only we've only been together a week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so she's putting her getting her foot in the door. She wants a copy. But what happens next? Because uh, somebody ain't happy. No, Ruddy reads it and he's read it and said it's incredible to Francoise. And then there's a uh, knock on the door and uh, my boy turns up. Um, Bob, Bob Evans turns up and is fucking livid. Yeah, he's 170 pages. Yeah, he's not a happy boy. So yeah, he's 170 pages. It's unproducible. And uh, yeah, he's... Well, he, he's, <laughs> he zooms in in his car, bangs the door, 170 pages, whatever. And can get straight behind his car and zooms off up the road again. He does it a couple of times in this episode where he's just zooming about in his car. I love it. I love it. It's kind of we're getting, Yeah, I mean. I'm hoping that as the series goes on, Evans becomes more and more unhinged. Like uh, Oh yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> this episode you can see the building of the unhinged. And because although in the first two episodes he has his moments, he's quite calm and collective and it's quite smooth there's a couple of moments in this episode where he loses his shit well, yeah yeah yeah. Like that bit, he's, yeah he is he, like job has like been in the balance at least yeah. in his mind so like what is it like that guy says to him like early on he's like you look pretty good for like a dead man and he's like, yeah, you, you look yeah something yeah he looks you look pretty good for someone on life support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. when he like like zips off in his car, like oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Like zip like, <laughs> I just yeah, I just love that kind of and it is it kind of like it is like the pace of this show, right? Where it's like zip in, say what I need to say, and then fuck yeah. off. Like that is just kind of And it, 
that is literally what happens in this. He just zoom, it is that. He just zooms in. 170 pages. Fuck off. God. Well, I don't even think he, he knocks on the door, does he? Like Al Ruddy just hears the like the rumble of his oh, engine yeah. coming down of, the drive. Of the engine, like, yeah. What the fuck is that? Like <laughs> there's a beast coming for me. And it's <laughs> it's the one and only Bobby Evans. Um then then we get like I don't know, the show like not takes a departure, but obviously kind of like not like not knocks yeah kind of grabs us by the scruff and be like oh by the way the mafia are in this as well and we get introduced to a guy called crazy joe gallo so i don't know what's your kind of yeah like take us through these kind of these mafia scenes we we we, we get in this for this final portion yeah so i know nothing of i don't know the Anything about this? Is this a, is this a is this a real thing? The 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 joke because I I don't know I, I didn't know anything of it. He just seems to appear. There's um crazy Joe Gallo, and he's obviously just come out of prison. He's done time, and then um, he goes to Harlem mm-hmm. to meet some to meet guys some he, people. Yeah, guys he met mm. in yeah, prison, think, right? In in prison. So then, um, yeah, then we have a. We have a scene with Joe Colombo and the families discussing um, this new character, Crazy Joe. And we, we again, not subtle, but we're exposition dumped about how he's not a good guy. He's oh. done some bad stuff. Yeah, he's kidnapped his own family. His like... own family, <laughs> yeah. So he's obviously... He's obviously crazy. He's crazy, Joe, for a reason. Yes, yes. He's not, he's not mildly unhinged, Joe. He's crazy, Joe. So yeah. So we, we've and the I, I I don't know the guy's name playing it, but he's he's definitely got a crazy eyed look about him straight away. The way he's chaining his cigarette and stuff and absolutely wide eyed. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. He just so yeah. Of, we we're interested. So the act- yeah, just the actor who plays him is. Uh, Joseph Russo, and yeah, he like I've just googled Crazy Joe Gallo, he's a real guy. Um, okay, and yeah, suffered from schizophrenia. Um, seems like yeah, seems like uh, uh, yeah, seems like a a nasty a a nasty guy was a. was a nasty individual. Conspiracy and extortion for attempting to extort money from a businessman. I was sentenced to seven to fourteen years in prison. Uh, that was nineteen sixty-one. Well, let's not get let's not read any more because I'm worried I may uh, <laughs> ruin yeah. the kind of uh, yeah, what yeah. happens to crazy crazy Joe. But um, I've never heard about him because I'm not sure if it factors into the actual making of the godfather or if it was something that was going on with the mob at the same time obviously it's probably not mentioned in the making of the godfather because it didn't actually i don't know um affect the the making of the film do you know what i mean directly yeah yeah, yeah. so i think from what i can get from this scene is of these moments are we're going to have more of a subplot with i think we're more going to have more mafia stuff i assume mm-hmm. going on alongside it because this 
I, I, I can't. This is not a connection to the Godfather. This is a connection to Crazy Joe or the Joe Colombo. Yeah, yeah Joe Colombo. Yeah. So I think maybe we're gonna have a subplot where Risby's gonna have his own shit going on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. because he's gonna Crazy Joe spots. Well, they have the conversation. Sorry, they have the conversation about who's gonna basically look after Crazy Joe knows out of prison, and mm-hmm. Joe Colombo is like. He's a Colombo. He's in the Colombo family. This, so he's he's mine. I'll deal with it. And then we have a crazy, crazy Joe in a car, crazy eyed looking at, and he sees Joe Colombo, and we realise that he's not a fan. Yeah, his exact line is uh, something to the effect of, "I'm going to light his whole fucking world on fire and burn everything he loves to the fucking ground." Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how the episode closes up. But before we get to that, um, we get to uh, Al Ruddy telling Francis that there might need to be some cuts to the film. Is one in particular is the Sicily scene, um, and yeah, obviously they might not be able to budget it with how long. The script is. He's obviously he's obviously shook off from what Bob Evans has said to him, right? It's a hundred and seventy pages. <laughs> so it's a how, big old script. How, yeah. How would you feel? Like imagine imagine Bob Evans was your boss. Like would how yeah, how would that how would that be that would be that'd be crazy, right? <laughs> Yeah, if I, if I heard it, if I was sitting at home and I heard the rumblings of my boss coming along and he just screamed at me about 170 pages, <laughs> yeah, I'd be a bit shook. Yeah. yeah. But there's obviously, there is some bad news and there might be some cuts, but Mario Puzo arrives. Some fucking bang up news, Will. Puzo does turn up and Puzo has got some news because... As you might remember, he wrote him. He wrote a little letter. Oh, <laughs> Puzo wrote a little letter with a signed copy of the book to someone, and they've only bloody replied. And it's only the big man. It's fucking Brando, isn't it? So, so does that mean we're getting? Must be getting Brando in episode four, right? We must be getting a bit of Brando, and. This will, again, this is we're all waiting for Brando, and they know it, and that's why we have Puzo running in saying, we got Brando. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> again, not subtle, on the nose, but we got Brando. So, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming, and I've, I've avoided any kinds of clips or anything, because I, like we said before, I'd seen the Pacino thing before, basically before I knew the, even what the show was. I'd seen that Pacino clip popping around. But I've seen nothing else of anything and absolutely try to avoid it. So Amazing. I'm going in pressed to see the Brando. But obviously, yeah, that 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 scene as well is kind of uh undercut as well because Francois is called has called a meeting with Sue Mengers in our oh, yeah. office. So obviously that's put a further strain on his relationship. But um yeah, in in, in relation to the like the Brando point, it's like that's an that's a nice little juicy cliffhanger, right? That we're going to get a bit of brand. Ah, lovely stuff. And it's the fact that it's like yeah. a double cliffhanger. It's like, oh, Joe Colombo. I don't know. Like, do you care about what happens to Joe Colombo? Because obviously, like, for us as a viewer, it's like, oh, if he's off, I don't know. 
because now he's Al Ruddy's ally, right? So it's like maybe we should, yeah, maybe we do care. Yeah, no, no, I'm thinking about it. I, I possibly do care. Yeah, if I think Joe Columbo goes. Uh, it could be the film could be fucked again. Yeah, so I, I suppose I agree, Thor, but I suppose that's the the idea with that subplot. If Crazy Joe does does do in Joe Columbo, then of course the film's in trouble. It's the film's in trouble again because he hasn't got that ally. So yeah, I've looked uh, and. Anyone called Crazy Joe, I want to see more of with those eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. gonna be... So we've got, so got a potentially an episode four with more Crazy Joe and Brando. Fucking sign me up, mate. <laughs> well, which perfectly leads me on to my um, question. After after three episodes, are we, are, we, are we leaving the show or are we taking the cannoli? Hmm. Stuff my face with cannoli. I'm I'm fully on board. Yes, yes. That's what I like to hear. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I don't know. I was chatting to someone the other day, and they had a lot of problems with the show, and might potentially speak to them once we've kind of wrapped up this series. Uh, friend of the podcast, Mark Searby. Um, but I don't know. I kind of I'm enjoying it for what it is. Like you know this I mean? is it. I think. I can comp- I, I can and I completely understand that the the criticisms of it because it is I mean this episode one of the criticisms is how messy it is and unfocused and and I can see that because it is messy but I take it for it is as a caper I wouldn't say it's unfocused really it's just a caper and it is a bit madcap and they like we've said again the performances are massive so I. I I think if you, I think it's maybe it's the perception of what the show is going to be rather than what it is. People perceive the show of Red Bull is going to be the making of The Godfather and have gone with the perception that it's, you know, going to be about the art and the, you know, the true meaning of being an artist and the struggles of being an artist. But it's not, it's a fucking bit of fun. That's what, and that's what I'm taking from it. And I'm enjoying every week I'm watching it. I'm enjoying it because I'm trying to. Cause I'm, I'm I'm watching it week by week, so I'm fully on, you know, and I'm, I'm loving it. It like it is taking a lot not to, because I would have quite happily I could blitz to this. It's, it is a kind of show you, it's binge worthy. You well, could think, quite easily do it. I think what's quite interesting is like I've just pulled up the Rotten Tomatoes score, which uh, it's mm. only now I've realised that they do that for TV shows, uh, but um. The 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 critics like score is fifty four percent, and the kind of critic consensus is overstuffed with unnecessary subplots, clawing winks at showbiz history. This is an offer you can refuse. But the audience score is ninety seven percent. See, and that like I think that's what we've kind of been talking about, right? Is that thing that, huh. yeah. For the well versed, and I should be a part of that crowd. I should be there going, a well actually guy going, well, it didn't actually happen like that. But I like to take all my entertainment on what it is, right? Like, and I've, yeah, it's like when I went, if you, when I went to see Ambulance, (laughs) for instance, it's like I knew what that film was going to be. So I kind of met it on its terms and had the best time at the cinema. Exactly. 
and it's yeah it's this, i mean this show as well it's like meet it on its terms and it's fun yeah it's not it's, it's not it's not trying to be high art you know it's not trying to like change the face of television and make you think about the the struggles of it. it's just wants you to have a good time and i'm i'm having a i'm having a good time of it yeah. and i can understand that why the the audience 97 percent, and that critical perception because as again probably people want it to be this deep dive into the godfather well it's not it's making nice little reference to the godfather everyone can understand and get on board with while Risby's doing mafia shit, yeah. and I'm I'm loving it. You're perfect. Well, yeah, let's let's start to wrap up this episode. So, well, yeah, we I I think we've had a good time. We've had some wine. Um, those of you, I don't know, I don't if if anyone wants to start drinking along with these episodes, if you're a madman um, or, or woman, um, uh, like next week we're gonna be because the weather when we're going to be recording it, it's going to be El Scorcho. It's going to be a real a real hot one. It's going to be a jalapeno sandwich of a week. So mm. next week is going to be Sangria Week, if you would like to if you'd like to join in and drink along with us. Uh, we'll be drinking a nice little nice little sangria as we as we discuss this show. Um and yeah, episode four is titled Oh, why don't I ever pull this up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is all staying in because I'm a. It just shows you how loose we get with this uh, podcast, guys. I've, but we, I've, uh, I've got a year, mate. The right shade of yellow. Okay. Okay. Any. Mm-hmm. Would you like to take a stab at what that could mean at all, Will? No. Okay. Why the right shade of yellow? Do you know? Have you got an idea? I've no idea. I've no idea. Maybe. No, I thought, I thought, thought, no, no, the white shade of yellow. Intriguing. It was, it was, I thought, yeah, yeah, no, 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 what, what, what that could mean. You're going to say, actually, I think of five. No, 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 not at all. No idea. No idea. Interesting. The right shade of yellow. Well, yeah, join us then. Um, So in the meantime, if you've been enjoying our conversation on uh, the offer, please don't hesitate to get in touch, which you can do so on all the regular social media platforms. So that is at Caged in Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, and TikTok, despite the fact I rarely use it. Or you can drop me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. Will, where can people find you if they want to? Obviously, you're tagged in all the posts of this, but um, where can people find you if they want to kind of Hello, uh, join in the chat with us about this show. Just Twitter mainly at Will Chich. Um, I am on Instagram, like I said before, um, at Bill Chich, but I am um, used as a so Twitter. I'm on there. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And uh, please, please do, guys. If you've kind of been watching this show, you like it, you dislike it, get involved in the chat. Like, let us know. Did you watch the first episode and you were like, um, um. I'm leaving. I'm leaving the offer. Or did you did you did you take the cannoli? We wanna know. We wanna know. We wanna know what people are people are feeling about this show and we'd like you to get involved. So um yeah. Again, Will, thank you so much for, for, for another another week of fun. I'm looking forward to Sangria Week. I, 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 I can't wait. Yeah. 
So, uh, as always, I've been Petros Patsilavus. I've been Will Chess. Thank you. This has been The Offer. This has been episode three, Fade In. Have a lovely week, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Drooptown Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.